Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. This podcast will seek to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of my podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations where every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to you joining me on this journey toward a better understanding of each other. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening for common ground first. I am so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's see what my next guest has to say. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and I'm so glad to be here today with my good friend, Xander Gibbs. He is a radio talk show host from the UK. I've known him for three or four years. It's been such a wonderful relationship. He loves animals. And though our different spheres of influence, our spheres of influence are different, um, our love of animals and why do pets matter um, is just such an important piece of Xander's life. So I asked him to be on our podcast today, Why Do Pets Matter? And Xander, welcome. How are you today? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And as I said before, why do pets matter to you, Xander? Oh, wow. That is such an open question. Uh, I don't ever remember a time where I didn't have a pet, um, but ironically right now, I don't have a pet, um, but I really am the go-to person, like all of my friends when they're going on holiday, they're like, the dog loves you so much. Can I just drop them at yours for a week? And I'm like, yep, sure. Because, uh, you know, I'm in the process of moving and things like that. And I don't want to put an animal through the trauma of, um, you know, going through uh, you know, a move with me. So I'm going to wait till I move and I'm settled in order to be able to um, find the right pet for me. But, you know, I have to say for me, I am not, the, they're not my pet. You know, I'm, I'm their human. And, and that kind of is my attitude towards um, having an animal member of the family. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I love that you're, you know, the go-to pet sitter. That's such an important role. It's sort of like being a grandparent. You get to enjoy the animal for a certain period of time, and then you get to return it, which feeds our souls. Absolutely. I think, I think animals instinctively know what someone is like. You know, I've actually been in situations where people have had like guard dogs, you know, big Alsatian dogs and have said, don't come near the dog, you know, because the dog will rip out your throat. And I go to see this real vicious dog and it like is licking my face and, you know, wants to be my friend. And I find this with, with animals because animals instinctively know what we're like as human beings. Absolutely. It, I agree with you so much because the energy you put out there definitely will dictate whether or not the dog is comfortable with you or the cat or the horse or the bird um, is comfortable with you or if they're wary and, and you, you know, hit the nail on the head. They instinctively know that you are um, a go-to person, a safe space because of the energy you're putting out there. Absolutely. I used to joke, because um, I, I used to do a lot of comedy, I used to say, the reason animals love me is they, they see me as something to hibernate in. Um, but, they, but wherever I go, when I go to my sister's house and, and I sit on her sofa, uh, her dog will come and sit next to me and nuzzle next to me. And we'll just like 
go to sleep for hours on end. And and so I think, I don't know, I people say, are you an animal person or not? I, I think that that's a very relevant statement um, because there are a lot of people out there that are not, and, and that's fine too. Um, but when you are an animal person, you, you know, kind of even, I've, I've been very emotional about what's been going on in Australia recently with the wildfires and, and all, you know, seeing the koalas like screaming, it's just really kind of upsetting to see that. And I think it's about being a feeling person. And when you are a feeling person and you're an animal person, you can't abide seeing any animal in distress. I know it's, it's such a tragedy. And you, we've had fires here in the United States and um, the wild horses have really had an issue uh, with that as well because their areas sometimes are affected. And ironically, there's a guy, uh, Bill Simpson, who has a wild horse fire brigade. You should actually have him on your radio because he is fabulous. And his horses because they ate all the ground cover and they ate the trees up high enough, the fire stopped at his property because there was wow. no fuel. So fabulous guy, incredible, and wants to take all the uh, wild horses that are in containment because they've been gathered off the wild range up to his area, which is sort of off the grid, um, and let them go and let them be free and 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 let them keep the fire dangers down, which which I think Australia is, is probably at, it's almost the entire circumference of Australia um, is in fire. And why do pets matter? Look at the people in Maine who are making pouches and booties um, for the little baby kangaroos and the koalas and other animals so that they can um, have their paws heal um, and they can feel at home because some of them have lost their mothers. And so the pouch is necessary for them to feel safe and comfortable. Yes, it's, I think it's really sad. And I, I'm glad that people are raising money uh, you know, not just to help the people, but to, to help the animals too. Um, and when I see, like every news bulletin that I see with, you know, these injured, injured kangaroos and you see um, dead animals too, I just feel very frustrated um, because, you know, I feel like I, there's something, I want to do something. And, and if the only thing that you can do is donate, then I guess that's kind of what you need to do. But I'm hoping they get the wildfires under control very soon because I think the animals have been more affected, the wildlife, than, than the people. Because there's so much open space in Australia, I think much more than here in the United States. Um, and it's interesting, they just sent a group of uh, California firefighters over to Australia for a 35-day rotation um, to assist. So we not only are sending money, we're sending pouches and we're sending booties and we're sending our you know fire jumpers, which is going to hopefully augment the exhausted fire jumpers um, that are in Australia right now. Right. Unbelievable, unbelievable. So let me go back for a minute because you said something that really intrigued me and I'd love you to talk about it a little bit more because why do pets matter? You referred to yourself as their human, not your pet. So tell me a little bit more about that. Um, well, I, I, I kind of, I've heard that phraseology a lot and until you've kind of had animals of, of your own as an adult, you really don't get that. I don't know, maybe I'm being um, unfair to, to, to some children because I know a lot of children get that bond. Um, but when my first pet um, as an adult, um, my partner and I, when we lived in London, we went to the Battersea Dogs Home 
uh, which also has cats, and we got this cat. And as soon as we saw this cat, who happened to be called Tipsy, um, which I thought was quite funny because it, that's another word for, you know, stumbling around after right, drinking exactly. too much. A drinker, yes. Yeah. So we so we 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 bonded immediately with this cat, and 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 we both looked at each other and said, "I am. We're not leaving him here tonight. There's no way because quite often um, in these animal sanctuaries you have to uh, go through all these financial testing and this and that. But we were like, no, we we want to take him home today. Um, and I think for a lot of people, um, a lot of a lot of unmarried people, a lot of gay people." Um, Pets are like their children. You know, I, I, I often hear pe- people talking about their fur babies, and I love that terminology. Um, but I, when, when, I, when we had Tipsy, it was like Tipsy ruled the roost. Not me, not my partner. You know, it was all about Tipsy. He would tell us when he wanted to be fed. He would tell us when he wanted to go out. And the world revolved around Tipsy. But, you know, that was, that was, that was fine because... We we were Tipsy's humans, and and it wasn't until I'd had my own animal as an adult that I really concurred with what that phraseology really meant. Really, it, you know, I always say to young people, I do a lot of um, divorce uh, assistance because I don't do divorces, but I do divorce assistance where there's a conflict over the animal, and most divorce attorneys don't even ask at the beginning whether or not there's an animal involved. Um, and they should, or relationship breakup, because unfortunately the pet doesn't hate the ex. So whoever has the pet, um, often they don't want to share the pet, and yet the pet loved you and your partner probably equally. Uh, One, maybe more than the other. I mean, in my house, my dogs don't pay any attention to my husband if I'm home. However, if I'm not home, they are all over him and he loves it. So really to be able to share that going forward, uh, not easy, has to be a really um, open-minded couple who are uncoupling, but understand that the dog really, or the cat really loves both of them. And if they can see their way clear, and I know the UK probably has just as many cottage industries of dog walkers or doggy daycares or whatever, where you could transfer those dogs. So you'd never have to see the ex if they really bother you, but hopefully your divorce attorney is, or your, your, you know, mediator maybe is helping you have a, a happy ish, break up so that you can at least share this because you do it with children under the law, but with pets, as you said, they are like your children. And so they're not covered under the law, no court in the land, not in the UK or in the US is going to enforce a uh, visitation for an animal because they, you know, it, they're busy with other things. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's so great that you, um, talked about tipsy and the way you didn't want to leave him behind uh it also creates that sense of responsibility so when you're in a relationship or out of a relationship you know you have to get home from work right you have to in the litter box you have to walk the dog yeah Um, first priority first priority it creates i think and and tell me if you think the same thing i think it creates a grounding in your life yeah, I, I think it does, and it gives you um, a, a kind of systematic value. Um, you know, like I said, first priority, the first thing you do when you get in the house, when you have a, a, a pet, you know, make sure they've got food, make sure they've got water, 
Uh, I mean, cats seem to be more independent than dogs because like with dogs, they're so pleased to see you, but like Tipsy was like, oh, so you're back, you know, kind of thing. Um, but it, you know, it's interesting you talk about the mediation side of things, you know, when, when my partner and I split, uh, which inevitably happens with relationships sometimes, um, we had a very cordial arrangement over Tipsy, um, and it was it was almost as if you know Tipsy was our child. And so when I would go off to America to see friends and family, um, my my ex partner would come and stay at the house, look after the cat, drink my liquor as you would expect. Um, exactly. But 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 Tipsy was n- not out of his routine as a result um, of that. So I think some people are mature enough to kind of be able to think about the needs of, of the animal, which might sound odd to some people, but you know, when it is your fur baby, you want the best for your fur baby. Yeah, you sort of have to take yourself out of um, the, uh, I guess the, the term I wanna use is um, uh, scorched earth. When you're breaking up right. a relationship, sometimes yeah. we're doing that scorched earth policy, but the animals really do uh, suffer when someone takes uh, the pet away. And and I let me tell you, in my practice, people say, but they treated me so terrible and why do I have to keep in touch with them and I never want to see them again? Right. And short of physical abuse, I mean, that's a, that's a whole different thing that we can talk about. And animals are so susceptible to being manipulated in those kind of situations. Um, but if it's just a regular relationship and you've grown apart and you need to go your separate ways, the animal really would benefit uh, by having both their owners uh, be able, or um, excuse me, humans uh, be able to work it out so they could have it. Also right. for the other reason, which you know we never wanna talk about, but if God forbid something happens to the animal and you need extra funding to help the animal, um, if you're not talking to your ex, then why are they gonna help you? Right. And uh, if, in fact, something happens to you, the cat would certainly choose your ex over anybody else. For sure. And, and it, it's kind of interesting because when we did split, obviously, there's, you know, a period of non-contact. Right. I did get a contact to say, you know, can I, can I come and see Tipsy? And first of all, because you're angry, you think, no, you may not come and see. Um, but then when you relent and kind of think about it, you know, I knew that Tipsy missed my ex and you know and if the tables were turned you would want to be able to see tipsy exactly Exactly. right and and so i always say to my clients i get it i don't want to see anybody that i dislike again ever however you know if the tables were turned um would you think this was a good idea not seeing your pet again and and all of them say well no and that's where we sort of start to do the repair so uh, xander i want to make sure that you 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 and i had spoken before we went live and you talked about um, yourself as a change agent. And I know that, you know, animals are absolutely part of your life. But with your radio talk show, your ability to be a change agent is huge. So tell us a little bit more about what that means. Well, I think when you have a platform, um, however big that platform is, you have to use it. Uh, And one of the things we used to do back in the day uh, we we had lots of guests from different walks of life on the show. Um, we had, I can't even think now who it was, but someone on that was involved in 
rehoming pets in California. So like once a month, I would, in my monthly bulletin, uh, my weekly bulletin, I would put pictures of all the animals they were trying to rehome, the area that it was happening in, and we'd do a segment on the show to do that. You know, cost me nothing. Um, I was doing some good for, for animals, and, and really people loved the ideology of, of seeing that that was happening. Um, so I think, I think change agent might mean a lot of different things to different people. But to me, it kind of means effecting change where you can uh, to help others. And in your, in your case, being able to take those pets and publish them so that people who might not know they're available in their area, if they're listening to your radio station, may be surprised to find that, wow, there's, there's an animal here in my area that I could really yeah. help and yeah. maybe financially help as well as go and pick up the animal. Absolutely. And, and, and obviously when animals are close to your heart, um, when you do have a platform, you know, as I do with the radio show, I, I always want to be able to offer that time, even if it's just 10 minutes, uh, to be able to uh, ensure that I'm doing some good, you know, for animals too. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about the radio show that you have now. Um, and it's it's going to go to five days very soon, which is incredible. And congratulations. Uh, and where could people find it? I know I'm going to put the link at the bottom of the podcast. Right. But tell us a little bit more about it. Well, um, I it, it's it's on social media right now uh, on, on various sites. Um, if you go to my website, zandergib.com, it will, you'll be able to see where it's on, um, and the time, three Pacific, five central, six Eastern and 11 o'clock in the UK, 10 AM the next day in Australia. Cause we also have listeners, um, down under, um, who, who are in my heart right now with the uh, wildfires. Um, but, but the reason I started doing the show is cause I'm, I'm a good communicator. Um, but also I feel that when you share things with others, it actually helps people in exactly where they are right now. Like for instance, when my friend died a couple of years ago, it made me very sad, but I wanted people to realize that it's okay to feel sad. It's normal to feel sad. And, and, and so I would use it, it as a therapeutic process but not just myself, but for everybody else. Because if I, I know that if I'm going through something, you can bet your bottom dollar that a lot of the fans of the show were experiencing that at that very time too. And even um, if they had experienced it before, it would help them. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because I think we, we learn and grow, not just through the things that we experience, but the, the experiences of others too. Absolutely. And you probably gave them at least some solace that, you know, other people feel the way I feel. Um, or if this ever happens to me, um, I have some tools now to cope. Right. I've, I've had a lot of feedback from people that have listened to the show. Uh, and, and it, you know, it's like, it's like giving me a thousand dollars when I get a, a, an email from someone saying, I listened to your show. It really spoke to me and it really helped me. You know, that, that to me is, that's kind of like money in the bank. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Because when you get positive feedback, it really 
you know, stokes you to continue to work as hard as you do to prepare for the show, to get great speakers, and to really have a civil discourse on the show so people keep tuning in because you don't want to turn people off. You want to be able to keep people there um, who both agree and disagree so that you can learn from people who might not agree with you, uh, offer them new information, um, and also help people who have that information feel confident. Absolutely. Because, you know, when people, people often say to me when I'm interviewed, who is your show for? You know, is it for men or women or gay people, straight people, Republicans, Democrats? My show is for everybody. I want everybody to be able to come along and get something from it and not actually feel that, that it's, um, that it's segregated in any way, shape or form. Cause I want everyone to feel they can be entertained and educated by the Xander Gibbs show. Absolutely. And I found that when I came on, it was always such an open and inquisitive group uh, who asked questions, who may or may not have agreed with mediating a conflict over an animal, but were all so respectful uh, in, their, in their conversation. And I think you, you really bring that to the fore because that's how you want to run your program. Absolutely. And, and we have a loyal um, group of followers and and I don't ever want to encourage people to be involved with the show or in the chat room for the show that are there for anything um, over and above kind of being involved and, and getting entertained and educated because there's no room for meanness. There's no room for, you know, attacking people. It, it's great. It's fair enough to disagree, um, but we don't have that problem um, like other shows do because we don't encourage it. I, and that's what I love about it. So I want to make sure everybody understands that it's Xander, X-A-N-D-E-R, Gibbs, G-I-B-B-S dot com, because I want them to no, be- a No team. S. No S. Oh. No, it's Gibbs Xander. singular. There's only one of us. I'm sorry. Yes. No, what, no problem. XanderGibb.com. X-A-N-D-E-R-G-I-B-B dot com so that people can find the radio station because it's really important, great information, great guests. And I love the fact that Why Do Pets Matter to You because they keep you grounded. They mm. find a way to nuzzle into you and that you are the um, great pet sitter right now, soon to be a pet owner um, once you settled in. And I, I just want to point out to people who are listening to this podcast, it is really hard to wait. I'm sure it is, Xander, because is. everybody who has had a pet uh, will tell me, and maybe Xander, you'll bear this out. The worst part of no pet ownership is the silence. You don't hear the nails on yeah. the floor. You don't hear the tinkle of the collar chain or whatever. And that silence and that lack of just comfort that you gain from your sister's dog coming up on your lap um, I just want to really applaud you for taking the time to know this isn't a really good time for me. Um, and I'm going to wait and get settled and then have the dog. So tell us a little bit more um, about how you came to that decision, because it it really is a difficult one, especially after the loss of your last pet, which I'm sure Tipsy meant a great deal to you. And I don't yeah. know if you had a pet in between Tipsy and now, but if not, um, it's really hard. 
It is really hard. I think quite often people are restricted by where they live, by the rules of their landlord, um, whether they can have um, pets or not. And and the last couple of places I've lived, I've not been able to have a pet because the landlord has not felt that it was um, appropriate. But then when you finally get in a position where you can you can do that, you know, I really wasn't well enough to have a pet, you know, a couple of years ago. And then when you get in the position to be able to do that, and then you're going to be transitioning again, you know, going to a different city uh, and to a different house. I I would love to to have a pet right now. I love that when you're eating dinner and they come and nuzzle next to you and look at you and they're like, please, please give me some. You know, I've never been fed before kind of thing. And, you know, when you wake up in the morning and they jump up on the bed and and they just give you that first kiss of the morning and and let me out now because I've been crossing my legs for, for two hours. Don't you know that? That's right, um, waiting for you to get home or get up, yeah. either one of the two. Exactly, exactly. But I I am prepared to wait for that because I don't want to put um, I don't want to put a dog through that that hell of moving because you know yourself it's hard enough moving you know when it's just when it's just people but when it's animals as well and it's a it's a, you know kind of like a cross country move you uh, you can't put a dog through that if you have the opportunity not to if you've already got them you don't have a lot of choice. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. So that's such a considerate way to think about um, waiting for an animal, uh, being the pet sitter for all so that you can have animals intermittently. It's it's like the grandchildren kind of thing. Um, yeah. And and I'm so grateful that we had you here today for Why Do Pets Matter? What's the one thing um, that really resonates to you on Why Do Pets Matter to you? Um, I think that... Pets don't care what you look like. They don't care how fat or thin you are, what color your skin is, um, who you who you love, who you don't love, what your politics are. They give you this level of unconditional love. And um, while I see a lot of people out there that are really, um, they want a designer pet, they want this. I'm happy to rehome a pet. Uh, and I think a lot of more people, I wish they would go that way too. Um, because it's actually about, giving a home to a to a to a being and and making them part of your life not making them another accessory um but that's just me yeah well you know it's really it's really interesting you said that so i love the fact that you you say they you know they accept everyone i i wish more people could live in the moment and really enjoy being alive as much as a dog or a cat i mean right. they really do they live in the moment they enjoy being alive Every day is a new day. They, it's sort of like Groundhog Day. Every day is a new day. And what, what am I going to get into today? Uh, yep. So I love that about all of my pets. And as most people know, you know, you can, you can adopt, don't shop, which is something that people can do. I hate when people shame or blame if they, um, if they get a dog from somewhere else. But, but also every single breed club in the UK and in the United States rescues their dogs. So if a dog, an Irish setter, a German shepherd, a corgi, a bull mastiff, if one is dropped off um, at a humane society, uh, they will come and take the dog and, and help rehome it with people who have called them for an older 
uh, dog of that breed. So right. I always tell people, don't think you have to buy a puppy, like shoot yourself because buying a puppy is really a commitment that um, every time you make it, the good news is you forget the pain of having a puppy. Right. Because- I, you know, I want to just go back onto something you said. You said about not shaming people for, for right. getting, but you know, there's a reversal of that too. Cause I've already had people saying to me, Oh, you're not going to buy a dog. You know, and I, I, I I don't get that either. I don't nope. want to shame people for, for buying their dog, but don't shame me for wanting to rehome an animal. You're absolutely right. So it's it's re- I'm so glad you pointed that out because it wasn't meant as um, shaming no. just that. It you it, it's perfect. So I don't want anybody to tell me I can't have a designer dog. I can't have a purebred dog. I can't have um, a recycled dog or a dog that needs a home because their owner died or you know it got away and it's in a rescue or what. Right. I want to get the dog that fits my lifestyle that that really speaks to me. And whatever that dog is, let's just allow people to have it. I, I always, you know, feel a little bad for people who buy a dog. Um, and then somebody says, you didn't rescue a dog? And they go, no, uh, yeah, I did. I rescued it. And, and I'm like, no, you didn't. That's a purebred dog. It's a puppy. Yeah, um, yeah. We should all, you know, because you and I have talked about this, choice is key. If I want to adopt a dog, I want to adopt a dog and not have anybody tell me, are you kidding? Do you know what kind of trouble you're adopting? Yeah. You know, do you, you don't know what its history is. You don't know if it's healthy. You don't know anything about it. Well, I'm willing to take that risk. You know, right. and that's the life I want. And that's the dog I want. I want to rehome something that's already here. But if people, you know, want to rehome and, and rescue a dog and they want to know, well, I'd really like a dog that's small. I'd really like a dog that's this. If they want certainty, then they can go to the breed clubs in the UK or the USA and find the rescues that need homes because people don't just throw away mixed breed dogs. They throw away everything when they get tired of it. Right. And after Christmas, I, I, I saw a bullet, bulletin on the news, the local news today saying, uh, I can't remember what the st- statistics were, but every an, hour, hour, every an hour and a half, I think it was, the four dogs are dumped. And, yep. and I'm like, oh, God, this to me, this infuriates me. Don't, don't get a pet unless you're sure you can keep that pet for the duration. And if you can't, yesterday we had a, a map plan where you made a plan where the pet would go if something happened to you. So that's, you know, that's always the secondary thing is the first thing is right. you keep it forever. And then the second thing is you make a plan for where it would go if something happens to you, if you get sick, if you die, or God forbid, you lose your job, you lose your home, whatever, because we all know, you know, catastrophes happen and we have to be sensitive to that. And so making a plan for the pet so that it goes somewhere, like you said, you know, if your sister was going away or God forbid something happened to her house, she knows, I'll just drop the dog off with Xander because he'll watch it until I find something new. That is something that people really need to think about proactively. The people in Australia, if they can think about where they can go. I, I do talks all the time in California, Xander, where the fires are because people who own horses don't make a plan for what right. to do when the fire is coming down the hill. And I said, you know, the fire was 20 miles away. I get it. The wind shifted. Now it's a mile away. Um, you need to talk about, and I, you know, I, I hate to be plan of action, but you need to have a plan of action so that you can remove all your horses. Cause you'll get the first two down the hill, but you might not be able to get back right. and you will be really destroyed. I mean, terribly destroyed. 
So I am so glad you're here. I'd love to have you back sort of in, you know, a month or two or three to hear I would love everything's to. going. Um, and I am so glad you are here. Why do pets matter to Xander Gibb? I am so thrilled. And we'll see you again next week. This is Deborah Hamilton on Why Do Pets Matter? You've been listening to the podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. Do you have a great idea or guest or topic that you'd like me to cover? Write me at hamiltonlawandmediation.com or email me at whydopetsmatterpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, our pets do matter. Thank you for being here with me.